Hello, and welcome to Objective Health. I am your host, Doug. With me in our virtual studio is studio are Erica and Tiff. Hello. Hi. And we don't have Elliot with us today, unfortunately. We wish him well. <laughs> so today we are going to be talking about the failing medical system. So everywhere you look, basically, you see signs of a very broken system going on. Um, we're going to talk about that. Uh, we, we, some of this was spurred on by an article that um, was posted in the Washington Post that's called There's Something Terribly Wrong. Americans are dying young at alarming rates. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were speculating about some of the reasons for that. They, it was basically just a very thorough statistical analysis that found that people are dying younger and younger um, or the, the younger people are dying quicker than um, previous generations. And, you know, they were speculating about some of it and they gave, you know, oh yeah, smoking and blah, 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 blah. But we were just kind of more thinking about other reasons that that's going on and that kind of led us to thinking about the state of the medical state, the medical system and what's going on mm -hmm. with that. So we're going to be talking about vaccines. Um, we're going to be talking about dietary recommendations. We're going to be talking about um, the opioid crisis, the cholesterol myth, and all these different kind of components that all kind of point to the fact that the medical system doesn't really seem to know what it's doing. Um, yeah. And is basically pointed in the exact wrong direction on all of these issues. Mm -hmm. So I think that they don't know what they're doing to such an extent that probably our show should be called the failed medical system and well, not the go. failing medical system. <laughs> well, we can change it. So maybe people are going to going to see our, our actual title which is the failed medical system. Yeah. Well, maybe I don't know, what should we start talking start off talking about? Um well, maybe um the I don't know, do you have a suggestion, Tiff? I too. Oh, well, if we're talking about the medical system, I guess we could start with talking about the medical education that doctors receive mm. or the specifically the lack of uh, dietary or nutritional education that doctors receive mm -hmm. in med school, which is something like ridiculously low, like maybe two hours, credit hours of nutrition in yeah. medical school. Which is not surprising if you consider like the history of medical education and how all these, I think it was uh, Rockefellers and other big names got into it to kind of influence the way medical education would go. So there would be more reliance on chemical means of treating people's health. And, you know, they kind of got rid of all of the natural practitioners and the homeopaths and all those people. So if you consider it from that angle it kind of makes sense that they would not focus on nutrition mm. like even if you know the people who are true health practitioners know that the majority of illnesses can be prevented through proper diet yeah yeah so, i mean that's that's one thing i mean it's kind of everything has been kind of geared towards this profit-based system and i think mm. that that's kind of at least it could be argued that it's one of the root causes of what we see today. The fact that it is a financially based system. It's like it's not, um, you know, it isn't considered a success by the people who are running it if people are getting better. You know, mm -hmm. the, the metric mm -hmm. that they use on everything is how much money they're making. 
So it's kind yeah. of like, why bother teaching the doctors about nutrition when the, the you know, that's, that's not what's going to pay the bills. It's like, how can we get more people onto our pills? That's basically, right. you know, that's where the money's coming from. And it's not necessarily, I mean, it, it could be, but it's not necessarily that, you know, there's like evil people in boardrooms going, ha let's make as much <laughs> money as we possibly can and make everybody sick. You know, the common conspiracy is that, oh yeah, it's, it's actually, uh, it pays to um, keep people sick. Therefore, they try to keep people sick. I don't know that it's mm -hmm. necessarily a conscious thing. I think it might just be that the metric by which it's, we... Um, measure whether or not um, the system is working is how much money it's making. And so if you're mm -hmm. not regarding the health of the people, then that ends up suffering. Yeah. There was actually well, an article. Sorry, go ahead, Erica. Oh, I was going to, I was probably going to mention the same article as you that mm. our, our diets are killing us and doctors aren't trained to help. Yeah. In the hill. The hill. Yeah, and they were saying that most doctors lack the necessary uh, knowledge to offer nutrition advice to patients. Fewer than 14% of physicians felt equipped to advise on diet or the connection between food and health. And then it said, uh, for example, 96% of cardiologists in a recent survey reported receiving minimal or no instruction on nutrition during medical training. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's pretty obvious, too, that they don't really know. Not to say that, I mean, really, yes, you should know. You're in the health field. You should know what is healthy or not. But just on all of the patient care episodes that I have witnessed, um, they think that they're giving like nutritional counseling if they tell somebody to eat right and exercise more <laughs> or move more <laughs> like they have no idea that a lot of people have no idea what eating right means they might have you know people still think that you know eating a lot of fruits and vegetables and all that stuff is good for you and in a lot of cases that would be a step up yeah. for most, most people's diets but it's really not explicit enough they just yeah just try to eat more whole grains or whatever like the average person is like it doesn't what? mean to them yeah, <laughs> yeah. well yeah is a twinkie a whole grain <laughs> i'm sure they have a whole grain version out there whole grain tw twinkies yeah, like, yeah I mean, plus, the thing is, the training that they would, like, even if they did get like, you know, 100 hours of nutrition training, it's going to mm -hmm. be like dietitian stuff, right? It's going to be based yeah. on mm -hmm. the food pyramid or the, the my plate thing, which is basically mm -hmm. like government recommendations on what people should be eating are complete BS. So mm -hmm. you know that the training that they're getting, the official good diet is going to be garbage anyway. I mean, like you said, Tiff, yeah. that's going to be better than what a lot of people are eating anyway. Like, at least they'll be telling them to cut down on sugar and no, don't eat fast food and all that kind of stuff. But, but yeah. overall, like, if they, if if you want people to, to thrive, then you know the dietary advice given by governments mm. is just nonsense. Yeah, and I can only speak from my own experience, but like in many cases, like just sitting in with patients and doctors, doctors don't even ask what people eat. <laughs> and like on the, the occasion, like say somebody is di diagnosed with type two diabetes, it's a new diagnosis. Yes, they will get referred to a nutritionist, but like you said, Doug, nutritionists, they don't know anything either because they're 
taught, you know, the whole standard food pyramid or my plate, whatever. Mm -hmm. So the doctor thinks that they're doing right by their patient by recommending them, you know, to go to see a dietitian. But it's still, it doesn't change anything because when they go to the dietitian, they'll learn how to, you know, count carbs or, you know, give themselves uh, the proper amount of insulin for whatever their blood sugar is. And it still really doesn't make any difference in the long run as far as improving anybody's health. I mean, over the years, if you're diagnosed with a type 2 diabetes, you're not going to get off of insulin at any point if you follow the doctor's or the dietitian's recommendations. Um, the usual course is that you end up taking more and more and more insulin until the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the whole fact that political correctness has started to creep into dietary recommendations, too. We all, we've talked about on this show many times the, uh, the Eat Lancet report and mm -hmm. the, um, basically the, the war against meat that's going on right now. But interestingly, the, um, I just, there was an article recently that was in uh, Medical Express that was talking about how they did um, a study on social media outreach. And what they found was, as a reaction to this whole planetary health diet, which is, you know, complete nonsense, the Eat Lancet mm -hmm. report, you know, they're recommending this planetary health diet now, which is basically like vegan, essentially. It may be <laughs> like, you know, it's like, well, you can have a little bit of meat here and there, but it was something like, you know, a mouthful a day or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> well, in reaction to this report that came out, there was actually a hashtag that kind of came up, um, just grassroots just kind of came up, and it was hashtag yes to meat. Yes, two, number mm -hmm. two, meat. And so they did this um, analysis of social media, and they found that the yes to meat hashtag outdid the Eat Lancet stuff. So anybody mm -hmm. who was posting articles that was po like had a positive spin towards the Eat Lancet uh, report and the planetary health diet actually didn't get as much reach as the, um, the yes to meat hashtag. It was like... Um, yeah, they said despite having 25 million from academics and others reporting the research. So that includes academics as well. And it was like a difference. <clears throat> it was 1.3 million compared with 3.45 million. Mm. So I thought that was really encouraging, actually. It kind of showed that even though they're trying to push this propaganda nonsense, um, that people are still kind of aware and they aren't yeah. buying the BS which is kind of a sign of a failing medical system in and of itself that people kind of don't trust it anymore. They don't trust yeah. the authorities. They're kind of like, no, you guys aren't doing it right. I think, uh, I think I'm just going to go on, uh, go on my own here. Mm -hmm. Well, I think a lot of what people might be reacting to when they hear about these plant-based diets, not to get too far off topic, but there is a certain amount of judgment that comes with these recommendations. Like if you don't eat vegan or vegetarian, you somehow don't give a crap about the planet, the environment, your right. children's future, and you hate animals. <laughs> <laughs> but if someone were to recommend a carnivore diet, there's not all that hatred and vitriol involved, at least not that I've noticed. Maybe I'm just biased. I don't think so. I think there's a very clear <laughs> difference. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and then every time you think that it's gone away, then you have like the documentary just that just came out. What was it called? Game Changers. And yeah. All of a sudden it's up for discussion again. And, mm. and so maybe it is, you know, look at all these elite athletes that are vegan and, um, you know, it's what's what did Chris Cresser call it? The vegan honeymoon. Like, yeah, maybe they stop eating a crappy diet for a month and they feel better. But that doesn't mean the vegan diet is key to mm-hmm. restoring your health. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, if anybody wants a good debunk of the uh, that whole movie, Chris Cresser was just on Joe Rogan going through point by point, just demolishing that movie. So when your your relatives tell you that they watched it and you know during the holidays and and you find yourself forced to uh, defend yourself, just uh, sit them down, have them watch all two and a half hours of the Chris Cresser interview. <laughs> well, I, I I enjoyed it too because Chris Cresser ha- has been a vegetarian in the past and macrobiotic and experimented with a lot of different diets and he did say you know yeah maybe initially you do feel better but that's probably from just cutting out all the crap in your diet and that doesn't necessarily mean the vegan diet is the panacea to good health but exactly. boy did they jump on that video and like it's it's all the rage now it's all the rage. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Well, the thing about these movies that come out, I mean, they don't have to be true. They just have to be out there. So then people (laughs) notice them and they'll start watching. And now I'm sure that people are going to be going to their doctors or nutritionists or whatever and saying, oh, I saw Game Changers. I think I want to try becoming a vegan. Yeah. And the doctor, because they don't have (laughs) any training in nutrition whatsoever, will be like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I read an article the other day in The Guardian that said that that's good. Even some doctors are probably going to be, yeah, maybe I should go vegan. (laughs) (laughs) I should totally do that. (laughs) I just remember my mom always saying to me, I could be a vegetarian if I could eat one hamburger a week. (laughs) Well, there you go. That's probably the planetary health diet right there. Yeah. Well, I know another sign I mean, you know, a lot of the people out there who are going to veganism um, believe that they are, excuse me, helping their health. You know, it's not only Mm. just the environment, but that they're actually, um, you know, doing a beneficial thing um, because they've been so brainwashed with another area of the failing medical system or the failed medical system is Mm. pushing uh, cholesterol, the cholesterol myth, for lack of a better Mm. term. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole thing. Um, about focusing on these numbers, um, yeah, which have so little correlation with actual um, disease, heart disease specifically, um, and you know it all just comes from statin pushing. You know, yeah. Basically, the whole cholesterol thing came up because they figured out how to artificially lower cholesterol with these statin medications. So then they were like, well, let's measure stat, uh, cholesterol. And, oh, what do you know? Everybody, everybody has really high cholesterol. That's why everybody's mm-hmm. getting heart disease. So, oh, well, conveniently, we happen to have this medication here that will uh, lower your cholesterol. Now, you could try and do it with diet, but it's not going to work. So Yeah, because it's too difficult to change your diet right. over long term. That's the excuse a lot of doctors give. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well... 
uh, Lipitor came out, I think it was in the 90s, maybe. Mm. It was like a, a blockbuster drug and, you know, it lowered people's cholesterol numbers. But one of the side effects is that over time it can cause type 2 diabetes. <laughs> oh, my so, gosh. You have one problem piled on top of something that wasn't even a problem in the first place. Yeah. Well, it makes your brain stop working, too. Your yeah, brain needs cholesterol. And it's just kind of like turning people into these sluggish zombies, you know, mm. because they're all on these medications. And essentially all they're doing is like all the medications do is lower that number that the doctor's looking yeah. at. And it's kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we got you on the medication. Oh, yeah, though, yeah, those numbers are good. Very good. And it's like, well, doctor, mm-hmm. what about these side effects, the, the fact that I can't think anymore? No, no, don't worry. As long as your cholesterol is low, that's all we need to worry about. Well, what about the fact that, you know, when I get a wound, it doesn't heal very, uh, very well or very quickly? No, don't worry about that. All that matters is that your, um, is that your, your cholesterol numbers are lower. Well, doctor, what about um, that time when I got up out of bed and my muscles were hurting so bad I fell down? Don't, <laughs> Does that matter? <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter at all. Well, actually, you know what? We probably have another medication that we can put you on for that. Um, let's just look in my little, uh, you know, whatever medical box or but whatever the side, the, of, the side effect the side effect is that those cholesterol numbers go back up so now you're just back to where you started exactly uh, i mean the cognitive impairment thing seems like it, it's a huge red flag like i have a good friend that had a heart attack and they put him on the statins and you know he's a vegetarian i'll just mm. <laughs> say that but you know, like he can't remember anything. Like his cognition is so bad. You know, he's a university professor, so it's not like he can't think, have his brain working, you know what I mean? And I, hmm. I tried to have the discussion like, well, maybe the thing is to stop taking the statins and see if your memory starts to come back. And, you know, well, no, I had this heart attack and I got to be on this medication. And so it's, it's a really slippery slope. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you have, you feel like those numbers, you're safe, but then you can't think straight. You can't, you know, yeah. form cohesive thoughts or remember things. I mean, that seems to be very scary side effect. Well, people will say, oh, that's just, you know, normal aging. Like when you get old, you're automatically supposed to become senile for some reason. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the article that Damien pulled up there... Um, it was up there a second ago anyway. Um, it actually talks about a study that was out in 2012, I believe. Um, no, sorry. It was uh, later than that, 2016. Um, and it was basically saying it was a European research team, um, and they looked at statin consumption across 12 countries in Europe. Um and sorry, I'm just scanning it here to try and find what their findings were because I thought they were pretty damning. Um, sorry, <laughs> I'm having trouble finding it right now. We'll come to, back Have to that. Have you been secretly taking <laughs> statins? <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. Not a lot. Anyway, uh, yeah, I can't find it right now. Sorry about that. Yeah. Well, all you have to do is search statins on sot.net and you'll get more than you'd ever want to read about the 
I think, did they even call it one of the articles was it's a form of human sacrifice or maybe I'm, I'm writing <laughs> that with the Gardasil vaccine or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At, some, at some point you're just like, I mean, how much can you read about this stuff and how do people not know this? I mean, I guess we know from our last show that Google is censoring health articles, but how do, how does this stuff kind of not percolate with people that, that there's some serious questions and concerns? Well, I think that most people are so blinded by the supposed omnipotence of doctors and the healthcare industry. Mm-hmm. They think that they know a lot more than they actually do. And, you know, mm-hmm. they don't know much at all. <laughs> I think the media has a lot to do with it too. I mean, yeah. what you've got, from the perspective of people who watch mainstream media, essentially what's presented to them is a unified front of um, the medical establishment, basically. And it's like anything that's Mm -hmm. reported on the media more or less is just taken as gospel truth. They don't see that there is a lot of counter-information out there and that there are people, you know, in the alternative media or, you know, wherever – um, who are actually arguing against this stuff and actually have some some very good points. So I mm-hmm. think that that a lot of people just don't question it because, you know, they're getting all their information from TV and newspapers, and mm-hmm. you know who are the, you know the the, the major funders of those are big pharma essentially. So mm-hmm. they've got that line um, on everything. It's the 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 pro big pharma line well even people who don't follow the news or read any news articles like even if you looked at television shows and movies Mm. doctors are seen as all wise are always figuring it out at the last minute and saving somebody's life or if there's like one of those epidemic movies you know the cdc is hot on the case and they're going to hurry up and develop this vaccine to save the world you know if if you that's your worldview, then you think that the the medical profession has the answer for everything and they don't have the answer for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the whole fact that the direct-to-consumer marketing is still allowed in the mm-hmm. U.S. and New mm-hmm. Zealand, you know, that, that they can afford to spend thousands of millions of dollars on ads and you're just bombarded. I mean, even in, you know, women's magazine, it's like every other, every other, uh, ad, you know, page is an ad. Mm-hmm. Interrupted by a dog there. <laughs> she doesn't like the drugs either. <laughs> no, my dog is not on Prozac. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we've already brought up vaccines twice, so should we talk about vaccines? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I have a, a, for many, I'm going to myself for one moment. <laughs> Whenever I get worked up, so does she. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was an article that was in the New York Times um, on November 25th, so only a few days ago. And, um, you know, the fact that it was in the New York Times was actually surprising because, you know, like we just said about the mainstream media, they tend to um, really have a very one-sided analysis of of everything 
medical and big pharma. And the mm. headline was of, of this New York Times article was more polio cases now caused by the vaccine than by wild virus. So in other words, <laughs> more cases of polio worldwide are being caused by the vaccine for polio than by actually just catching it wh- however you normally would catch polio. I mean, that is a stunning indictment mm-hmm. of the medical system. I mean, mm-hmm. where they're trying to actually give something as a preventative measure and it's causing the very thing that they're trying to prevent <laughs> and it's outnumbering the number of natural disease victims. It's just, it that just blew my mind. Well, you know what the answer to their question is going to be like when they ask you, how can we prevent this? It's a better vaccine. Yeah. More and better vaccines. They're just going to double down. They're not going to yeah. say, oh, we should not do these polio vaccines. Right. If there were nine, nine new polio cases that were caused by the vaccine in uh, various countries in Africa. And, and India you know, too. Bill Gates is going to be like, <laughs> we need more. We need more and better vaccines to stop this outbreak in polio. Yeah. Maybe they need a vaccine against the vaccine. Like you get vaccinated <laughs> by the uh, anti-polio vaccine before you get the polio vaccine mm-hmm. to protect you. That'll work. But again, you know, that's nothing new. When the I think it was the first sulk polio vaccine came out during the first uh outbreak i think it was back in the 40s um you know a lot of hundreds hundreds or maybe thousand people came down with polio just from the vaccines and they took it off the market it was so bad i think indiana the state of indiana wanted to sue the vaccine maker Mm. and this was back when the first polio vaccines first came out so this is nothing new yeah. I don't think that it's not a secret to anybody who seriously researches vaccines that they can cause the very disease that they're meant to prevent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I remember reading recently that it was the same thing with measles too. That mm-hmm. there was I don't know <clears throat> I don't think it was as bad as that the the number of well maybe it was actually that the number of measles cases out there were the majority of them were actually from the measles vaccine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, Doug, that that New York Times article came out because that's not something that the New York Times usually does. And I'm well, wondering, oh, what were you going to say? Well, I didn't want to interrupt you, but but actually looking at it now, I think that it's actually changed from the last time that I looked at it. And it does say mm-hmm. it was updated um, a couple of days ago. So I'm actually wondering if they got in some trouble for it from their um, <laughs> their masters and because it's it's like just scanning it now it's significantly shorter than it was mm-hmm. so i wonder if they just went through with a big red pen and said you have to take all this out and they said yes master <laughs> and uh and removed it all because i mean i don't have time to like read it now and actually look for the differences but I'd, like it it looks to me like it's significantly shorter <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I mean, that talk about like just in real time, like editing out anything that might cause people to just question. I mean, that's like the whole issue with 
vaccine science is that it's settled, right? I mean, that's all you ever hear. It's 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 settled science. Don't believe the myths, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's really science is never settled, right? It's always no. like you got to be able to ask questions and see these things come up, like this this polio outbreak. I mean. You know, they haven't had a, a case of live polio from what it, what did they say when we were kids? Oh, from, you know, swimming in a, a dirty pond or something, or basically just um, unsafe sanitary conditions is what mm-hmm. led to a lot of polio. And now, you know, they're they're still giving this vaccine out, what, 40 and 50 years later. And yeah. they haven't had like a wild case of it in 20 years. I mean, that seems crazy and when when i was going through the whole vaccine discussion when my kids were young they said well you don't have to give them the live vaccine or the the shot you can give them the oral vaccine which is live and i was like nah i think i'm we're good thank you though (laughs) i'll just make sure my kids don't drink poopy water and eat poopy food (laughs) i think they might be okay from the polio Yeah, totally. Yeah. But I mean, if you swallow it all hook, line, and sinker, and you believe that the science is settled and doctors would never prescribe or inject your your family member with anything that might be, you know, have a side effect, you know, uh, I don't know. I think, I think it, it's coming out more and more though. And I did read recently uh, that they're making a Vax 2 documentary. So mm. maybe there'll be more really damning in- information in there. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that would be good. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's just, it's so funny. Like, I think I said this on the show before, but it just, it always blows my mind that, the perspective that they try to push in the media is that there is zero chance of any kind of complication happening from the vaccine. And it's just Mm -hmm. such an untenable position. It's like every medication that you get from your doctor has some form of side effect, something, Yeah. you know, and they, and they just sit there like bold faced and say, no, the vaccines have nothing, nothing at all. You might get a little (laughs) sick at first, but other than that, it's nothing. It's like, well, there's like, there's no such thing as a medication that doesn't have risks. So why are you trying to mm-hmm. say that the vaccines have no risk? But it's kind of like if they admit there's, there's any risk, then that's it like, forcing the issue that, well, if there is some risk, then I should have a choice as to whether or not I take it. Yeah. Well, if they admitted that, their whole house of cards would come tumbling down. Yeah. And there's no way it's going to happen. I don't even know why people continue to have, I guess, I mean, it's kind of fun to kind of rail against the medical system, but they're not going to change. I have no. no idea what will make these people change their ways. But it just becomes more beholden. And um, one of the things that I was looking up about vaccines is the Gardasil vaccines. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a, you know, they, they claim it was the first ever anti-cancer vaccine created for cervical cancer. And um, uh-huh. they started coming on the market in like 2006. And there's two distinct ones. One's the Gardasil and Merck created that. And the other one is what, Cervax, Cervarex or something. And that was made by Glaxo, Clyde and Smith. But basically, when you start to read about these vaccines, they, they don't do what they claim to do. Like they, they do not prevent cervical cancer. They are, when they came out on the market in 2006, they were the most expensive vaccine, like 150 to $300 uh, per vaccine. And then you had to have at least three of them 
um, you know, to be covered or whatnot. And then you find out that the FDA fast tracked it. So Mm -hmm. it basically underwent like six months of trial research and, um, And then it got approved. It fast-tracked approval through the FDA. And then um, you find out that Merck was already making ads and publicity around it before it was even approved. Like (laughs) trying to – they were caught lobbying 50 states for mandatory Gardasil vaccine um, even before the approval. So you could kind of see how they were like, this is going to make tons of money. You know I mean? And you, you think, mm-hmm. are they really that evil? Well, yeah, they're, they're actually really that evil because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you go kind of down this, and I looked into it because I'll never forget uh, when it came out, my kids played soccer and their doctor was, uh, their coach was a doctor and he sat around and tried to convince all the parents to get their daughters these vaccines. And I was like, there's something really wrong here. Like, and, and you know, uh, and you know, it's $150 worth every, and I was like, I don't know about that. And it, it, you come to find out that, um, cervical cancer, while it is concerning, if, Women were to get pap smears, you, they detect 80% of the possibility of getting mm-hmm. cervical cancer. So just having a yearly pap smear. And why are they pushing this on prepubescent girls and now boys too that aren't even sexually active? Like it yeah. just seems so sinister to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, that doesn't even go into all of the side effects. Like it's yeah. the number one uh, beers, reported side effects, you know, neurological damage causing, um, bipolar disorder in 13 year old girls, seizures, all. So your daughter doesn't get, uh, genital warts and cervical cancer. It just seems so out there to me. I mean, well, it's another instance as well of this, like, you know, finance before wellness, you know, the mm-hmm. whole like it, it's it's like th- it's so blatant with that one that it is well you know e- even if it did what it's it says it does it would not need to be as widespread as they're trying to push it basically like the idea of giving it to mm-hmm. pu- pubescent girls is just ridiculous right but mm-hmm. the fact that it is financially motivated you know that's obviously they're going to just try and keep on getting bigger and bigger and bigger markets that they can kind of sell this thing to so mm-hmm. It's like it's well, and just, I think that's why they included boys in it now too. Yeah, like yeah. they they realize that they can just completely expand the market share and feed off the fear. I mean, a boy isn't going to get cervical cancer. Oh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> These days. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's probably not the right thing to say, Erica. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get us banned. Uh, You're going to get our video. uh, Some girls can get cervical cancer. (laughs) Some boys. I mean, boys. (laughs) It's so confusing. I can't even get my joke straight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of, you know, the fact that the, that, they're trying to, or saying that they prevent um, cancer with that vaccine. There was a study that came out recently. Um, this was in the activist post. Uh, Damien, I think I sent that one to you. Um, uh, FDA shocking study. Cells used in vaccines contaminated with serious viruses, including cancer. 
So yeah. this was the FDA's own study. Um, and they basically, it was a study that they were doing to try and figure out how they could get the viruses out of vaccines that were tumorigenic. So they had found that these vaccines, they were injecting them in mice and the mice were getting tumors. And then they found that the reason for that was because there was some latent viruses in there that um, they weren't active viruses, but once they got injected, um, they started causing tumors. So, you know, they basically did this study to, to, to find out a way that they could activate the virus in the vaccine beforehand so they could tell it was there and then try and get rid of it. At least that's how that's how I interpreted it. I think that's what it was, what was going on with it. And um, so, I mean, the study that they put out wasn't like, oh, my God, look, there's viruses in the vaccines. It was kind of like, OK, so we've got this small problem, uh, the fact that our vaccine causes tumors. Um, why don't we try and fix that problem? And it's kind of like, you know, all these people in the alternative media are kind of like, wait a minute, what? There's, va- there's viruses in the vaccine that cause tumors. And it's like you weren't, you know, going to tell us about that or anything? I don't see why anybody would be surprised that there are viruses in vaccines. Yeah, it's true. Because yeah. <laughs> that's how they What's make vaccines. In there. They yeah. take the virus and they grow it on something gross and voila, yeah. <laughs> there's your vaccine. Why is it a surprise that there's nasty stuff in it? Well, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe the um, the viruses that are in there are ones that aren't supposed to be in there. Or maybe it's just that they didn't know that the viruses that they were using are actually going to cause tumors as well. Man. Yeah, but if you pull a chunk of some dead woman's cervical cancer out of her <laughs> cervix, what do you expect is going to be in the vaccine that you make out of it? <laughs> some not good stuff, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. That's not even getting into And then there's no guarantee. Then there's no guarantee. It's like, well, it's just a shot in the dark. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's that's what the case is. I think that anybody who goes to the doctor and gets a vaccine or anybody who actually gives a vaccine, they should all like get together and all cross their fingers (laughs) and hope that nothing bad happens this time. Because that's in my mind, that's how much of a crapshoot it is. Yeah. Yeah, it basically is. Russian roulette. Mm-hmm. Well, how about that opioid crisis? Apparently, <laughs> apparently they haven't solved that one yet. Oh, Lord. I mean, there's another just indication of uh, the fail, the failed, I keep saying failing, um, but I think <laughs> I you were totally the times. right. Yeah. <laughs> that was so half an hour ago. It's the failed <laughs> medical system. Yeah, like just the opi- opioid crisis, again, right there. Mm-hmm. It's like um, that is completely created by the existing medical system. You know, mm-hmm. that's not because, you know, uh, you know, illicit chemists on the street have synthesized a more powerful heroin. No, these are doctors. No, scientists yeah. who are selling them to doctors. Well, that's not exactly right, no, either, but you is, know what I mean. It's coming a, from the system. Yeah, a lot of it is Purdue Pharmaceuticals, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, you know they have over uh, two thousand lawsuits filed against them right now. And it, back in September, uh, I guess Purdue decided to file for bankruptcy, you know, because they were like, "Oh, we're worth billions of dollars," and and they basically don't want to pay 
for the fact that they created these things. And then same with the Gardasil vaccine. They marketed it. They they knew it would it had addictive qualities, what up ten to fourteen percent more than than um, other pain medication, and they pushed it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really. Yeah. Um, in this one article, it said there's over 400,000 people between 1999 and 2017 who died from this public health crisis. Yeah. And they settled the suit. Who was it? Uh, Teva Pharmaceuticals? Teva? Teva? Teva. Um, Teva? Okay. Yeah. Third pronunciation there. Um, and they've settled suits in two Ohio counties for $260 million. Um, over how they misled the public uh, of the addictive potential of their drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't even account for the 2,600 other suits nationwide against <laughs> those companies and others, including Purdue Pharmaceuticals, uh, for their blockbuster Oxycontin. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, they're getting the pants suit off them. But the thing is, yeah. they're probably it's, there's not going to be any kind of consequence for it. I don't think they'll give them their pittance. You know, they're, I mean, these guys are making billions off of this. Yeah. And you know, yeah, they got to throw out a couple of hundred million, or even a, a billion or two. It's kind of it doesn't even make a dent. So yeah, sure. You know, you're you're punishing them, quote unquote. But mm-hmm. honestly, it's it's like they that's the cost of doing business, as far as they're concerned. Yeah, I think that a lot of doctors in response to uh, the opioid crisis have become a lot more strict on their prescribing. And there's uh, like electronic medical records and pharmacy sharing uh, sites where you can go and see if, you know, if a patient is doctor shopping or something like that. Mm. So it probably will make a, a bit of a difference in the long run, as far as less prescriptions for these really bad drugs, but I don't know. I don't know well, if in the long run it's gonna it's gonna stop because it seems like people are just hell bent on getting wasted, and they're yeah. gonna want to try and get wasted no matter what. I mean, yeah. a lot of the time it's not like they start out like seeking drugs, but many people have been turned into drug addicts just by starting on a perfectly legal prescription for pain medication well, yeah mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that these these companies are getting sued for because they completely misled everybody about how addictive they were they mm-hmm. lied straight up lied about how addictive they were they fudged the studies and said oh yeah yeah they're not that addictive so doctors at first were relatively innocent in this whole thing because they were kind of like well i guess i can give you know the person who comes in with like a sore back because they they pulled it while they were lifting something heavy. It's kind of like, well, I may as well put them on this uh, opioid because um, you know it, it's not addictive uh, and it'll make them feel better. So mm-hmm. relatively innocently would put them on it, and then they end up with p- these patients becoming addicted. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the fact that these these uh, pharmaceutical companies would pull that kind of thing is pretty disgusting. Yeah. Well, there used to be, I used to hear this a lot, like 
people would say, oh, if you have like a legitimate medical issue that causes pain, then there really is no problem with taking one of these prescription pain medications. It's only like if you're like faking it or something, then you would have uh, a risk for addiction. But if you're legitimately in pain, your chances of becoming addicted is not going to be that great. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Well, one of the interesting things in uh, an article, uh, it's interesting you noted, you noted the word pittance, uh, Doug, because it was Purdue Pharma offers 10 to $12 billion to settle these lawsuits, and this came out in August. Okay. They were talking about how the opioid crisis has cost the United States more than $504 billion, according to a 2017 report by the White House Council of Economic Advisors. But Purdue Pharma has earned more than $35 billion from the sale of OxyContin. So, I mean, just the numbers alone, you know, I mean, the fact that they knew and they allowed it all to continue and then, you know, that now the roost is coming home to roost and they're like, oh, we're bankrupt. We, yeah. you know, sorry. And they, you know, there's speculation that they took all that money and, you know, it's just evil. It's evil incarnate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even aside from all the deaths and disability it causes, like the trickle effects, like all of the ER visits, all the psych ward visits, mm -hmm. uh, the crime. Yeah, the crime, the court fees, all that stuff that plays into this whole ep uh, opioid epidemic. I mean, they've caused so much societal wreckage just from from these medications. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. And there's not going to be any consequence for it. They'll just keep on doing this kind of thing over and over again, coming out with more mm -hmm. medications that don't actually heal anybody, get people addicted, make their billions, and throw out a pittance, and then mm -hmm. on to the next one. It's yeah. like there's no there's no real consequence for these actions. No. But if you or I were to do it, we'd spend the rest of our life in jail. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. The bottom line. <laughs> you know, gosh forbid you should uh, advise someone to take, you know, Kratom or something or Ibogaine or some mm -hmm. <laughs> herb CBD. that might, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess you're right that the title of the show should be Failed. Failed Medical, medical State. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Joe Quinn um, of Sot.net fame um, posted something on Facebook, and I think it was his. Like, I, I think I'm quoting Joe Quinn right now is what I'm saying, because I don't think he was quoting anybody else. But he said, uh, it is through acting on false beliefs inculcated into them by deviant authorities that human, humanity collectively creates the chaos and suffering in society that it subsequently laments and then appeals to the same authorities to fix it. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was Amen. rather appropriate for our show. Definitely. Yeah. Maybe a good place to end off, actually. Well, I guess, you know, a few closing remarks are... Um, and like right when I started studying health and alternative health practices and all that stuff, I kept coming across like 
you are the person who is responsible for your health. So I think there's always a danger when you go to someone to have them solve your problems mm -hmm. and you don't like really put in any work on, mm -hmm. on your own part. Not to say that it's bad to ask for help or anything, but you got to come in prepared. You have to know something. You have to know at least when somebody's like, feeding you a line of bullshit at least you know you can't just expect a savior that's never ever ever gonna lead to anything good yeah it didn't used to be like that you know back yeah. in the day you went to your doctor and you had no idea what they were doing and they're giving you mm -hmm. potions and creams and pills and whatnot and but you could trust them you know mm -hmm. The problem is we live in times right now where you, you just can't trust authorities at all. Do your research, Knowledge folks. protects. Knowledge <laughs> protects. Well, on that note, thanks very much for joining us today, everybody. Be sure to like and subscribe down below. Erica's dog is saying goodbye as well. <laughs> But we will be back with another show next week. Um, so be sure to turn in. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>